<laughs> and it's not 50 degrees, so we're we're bugging. Um, yeah, it's cold in this room. It is. But like, we're going to talk about hell today. So <laughs> maybe it'll warm up, huh? It's cold as. I'm really excited about this topic, though. Um, so we're in the middle of our sermon series, uh, Wrestling with Doubt. No, it's just called Doubt. It's it's called, no, it's Wrestling with Doubt. It's Wrestling with Doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Dave has been coming out of uh, a book by David Hamilton called <laughs> Doubt. His name's not David Hamilton. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is staying in here just as, as, as video proof of, hey, Kelly, yeah? Are you good at your job? No. <laughs> Adam Hamilton. Adam Hamilton. <laughs> he wrote a book called Doubt. Wrestling with Doubt. Wrestling with Doubt. There we go. See, it's going to work out. We'll get there. <laughs> Choo-choo. Um, called Wrestling with Doubt, <clears throat> and David's sermon is aptly named Wrestling with Doubt. And so essentially this book, right, it 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 attacks or not attacks. It, it discusses questions that a lot of people, Christians and, and some non-Christians alike, kind of like, are wrestling with or struggling with as far as, hey, what are the answers to these questions? Like, how do I get those? What are they? Yeah, and these are kind of the the top questions, too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been surveys that have, have uh, um, you know, have been done, so we know that these are the top questions people have about and that form their doubts around faith. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, um, you know, uh, I always love when I get to sit in the pews and listen to Dave preach and he starts talking. I go, oh, let's see how this goes, uh, because because like, uh, and I hope those of you who are watching and listening today, um, you know, I first and foremost as we talk about these concepts just throughout the series, right? I think it's important um, to have a, a of a posture of humility and, and a posture of um, you might be challenged a bit about the things we say or the things we discuss, and maybe it's not something you grew up hearing or you currently think or understand. Um, but I would encourage you to be open-minded and to listen and to, to be okay with being challenged. Um, and I think that the topic, obviously, today is, is hell. Um, you know, when I first kind of started my faith journey, uh, the way I understand hell now is not how I started. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, joke, you know, Dave gets up there and just masterfully kind of like weaves in and out of these, like, really difficult topics and just like crushes it, right? Like just nails it. Um, but this is a topic or a word or a concept that in, in a lot of Christian circles is held in a lot of contention. It's a really difficult kind of concept to discuss or talk about and these types of things. And so um, in my faith journey now, um, especially with what we're going to kind of talk about today, this is really where I line up now. But I didn't start here. I just kind of like learned and grew and and was exposed to the different types of information. And, um, you know, so be willing to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Like just and, and understand that questions are good uh, and, and working out your faith and, and growing in that is, I, I think, part of what we're mm-hmm. here to do, right? Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, we're really, the question is, are non-Christians going to hell? Yes. Yep, so yep, this, yep. this is not a message about the existence of hell. Uh, but really about the what's you know what what's the fate of non Christians, uh, um, or, or what do we believe in our faith? Yep. So get ready, <laughs> and the spirit is here too. So Ooh, it's warmer already. <laughs> I mean, literally, we're gonna be like this. Um, so Matt, you came out of Matthew twenty five verses thirty one through forty six, mm-hmm. which are awesome versus uh there's so much in there um and your your sermon title was hellbound are all non-christians going to hell 
So why don't we start with the question of, hey, Dave. Yeah, Kelly. What's the history of hell in the scriptures? Well, if you're going to play both sides, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> you won't like that. <laughs> so, yeah, hell is not just uh, an idea that that came fully formed there in Genesis um, and stayed consistent throughout all of, all of scripture. It's really developed over time. Mm-hmm. Um, in, throughout the Old Testament, uh, hell is, or our concept, what we would call hell maybe is Sheol, is the word that they used. Uh, when it was translated uh, uh, from Hebrew into Greek, it became Hades. Uh, so there might be some other words, but the Hebrew word and the Hebrew concept there is Sheol. And and Sheol uh, in the Old Testament, sometimes it's, it's translated as the pit or the grave, uh, some place that's underground, and it's just the place where you go after you die. Um, really there's no moral kind of connotation to it. Uh, you know, good and bad all kind of go to the same place. It's the place to go once we die. Uh, and, uh, in studying Sheol, uh, you can read, you know, like the book of Enoch, uh, where it kind of grows, you know, makes it a little bit about morals and there's sections of Sheol where, Mm -hmm. you know, the good go to this one and the bad go to that one and, and those kind of things. But that's in the book of Enoch or not really part of our canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is that evolution of of the idea that you can see kind of mm-hmm. grow over time um, throughout the New and the Old Testament. Right. Uh, when when Jesus is talking about hell, he uses the word uh, most of the time uh, uh, Gehenna, and Gehenna is the place that's outside of the city of Jerusalem uh, where all of the people dump their trash. <laughs> It was the it was the trash heap. I mean, you, I mean, we have trouble, you know, dealing with trash today, um, and we have all these systems in place and ways that we deal with it. They, uh, you know, it was kind of an it was an urban city, metropolitan area of the time. They had, you know, what to do with the trash. They took it outside of town, dumped it, and then burned it. Uh, what would burn there? So you can imagine uh, this huge trash heap. Uh, where some of it's you know actively burning, some of it's smoldering. It's a smelly, dirty kind of just not a pleasant place to be. Um, I, I would say maybe that's putting it mildly. Um, so that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about hell mm. is is Gehenna. Um, so and and Jesus uses some other words too outside of uh, Gehenna. He talks about. Uh, you know, there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. He says, you know, the place of eternal darkness, um, you know, so there's some other kind of descriptive words um, that he uses to to really all talk about uh, the absence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, as Jesus talks about it, kind of the worst place you can be is somewhere where God is not, where hope is lost, where, you know, there's no light using that, excuse me, that metaphor. Uh, but this is uh, what Jesus is talking about when he talks about hell or any of those other kind of places. The the worst place in the uh, in all of creation where you can be is someplace where God is not. And so, um, anyway, that's a good way to think about hell is is simply the absence of God. Right. So uh, there's a couple of things you did there that I think are really awesome and really important. Is um, so the the concept or the history of hell. In, in the scriptures, right, where we where we draw our 
knowledge of of faith and and spirituality and, and concepts of the God that we worship, right? And so you mentioned Enoch. So let me just clarification here, right? So for the uninitiated, uh, so in the Protestant Bible, right, we have sixty six books that are canon, um, and uh, oh my gosh, like I was going to number them, but I'm not gonna. Uh, and then in the Catholic Bible, the canon is seventy two. So the Book of Enoch is in those six. No, no, no. Hold it's, on, it's not in the Apocrypha. It's not in the Apocrypha. No, <gasps> I messed this up. <laughs> Where is it? It's just actually it's just a writing that's outside of canon. It's outside of canon. Okay, okay. No, who did you? No, you quoted somebody Sunday though. <laughs> what did you quote Sunday? I mean, I talked about the Book of Enoch. Sure. Yeah. Did you talk? You talked about the Apocrypha though. Just when we were talking about purgatory. <laughs> Kelly, do you pay attention? I do, I promise. Um, so so anyway, so I'm making that distinction not to like start fights. Like don't pick up your sticks and stones and start like getting ready to no, that's not what I'm getting at here. But what I am saying is so this history and this concept that we're talking about and the evolution of the of the idea, right, throughout the scriptures, right, is um, one is really depends on which kind of faith and doctrinal kind of belief you you submit to, right? And then two, like maybe some of our concepts and the things that are kind of taught mainstream and the things we discuss are not even in the canonization of scripture. They might be found outside of that. And so I don't say that to make fun or to make light or to be mean or to be rude. I say that to, we're talking about what's actually there. These concepts are actually there. Okay, so that's one. Two, uh, I think there's this fantastic point you're making of this is not a linear concept, right? It's not, there's not this consistent thing about hell or a culture's and, 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 and a people group's understanding of the concept of what we would call hell now in our modern day context. It, it changes over time or it adapts or it evolves over time. And so Sheol or Sheol, right? Is, is is a concept and is, is a way that they understood that and talked about it. And Jesus kind of brings a different light to it. And I mean, I really like Jesus's description. I mean, you see that trash heap that's smoldering and burning and smells terribly and pray to me that that wind doesn't pick up because it's going to be awful right here. I mean, like that's a really visceral, literal example mm -hmm. of like how, ugh. And, mm -hmm. and, but even then that's not the moral, like good people go to the other place, bad people go to the, Gehenna trash place um, type of concept. He's not really doing that in in this in this spot that you're referencing, right? Matthew 25, he does. Yeah, goats and sheep. Yeah. So the goats are going to go over there. <laughs> um, he he doesn't use the word Gehenna in that passage. But. No, he doesn't. He talks about mm -hmm. in different places. And so mm -hmm. and so then I would even mm -hmm. argue like so Jesus like talks about Gehenna a lot, and then other places he brings it up in a different kind of contextual way. Is that fair? I'm not sure I'm following you. Well, you said he said Gehenna <laughs> yeah. in, in different verses, and we're, yeah. we're talking about 25, 31 yeah. through 46. And he didn't use the word Gehenna. In that. He doesn't use it here. Okay. Right, right. So then where does he use Gehenna? Uh, I didn't pull all those verses for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the point I'm making is this isn't a linear concept. So it's not like I think it's important for us as as believers who are trying to be faithful and answer questions, right? So if this is the question we're asking, are all non Christians going to hell? Um, and we're going to pick a side on that. 
right? Um, it's important to have good information and yeah. to do your homework yeah. and to have a better answer than I'm going to cause a bunch of harm. I'm mm -hmm. pushy here. Like, and then just be like, that's just what it says when maybe that's not exactly how that works and or is being said. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Jesus never said, um, you know, all the uh, all the people who've never had a chance to 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 hear my name even are going to hell. You know, he never said that. But we do have a number of scriptural kind of uh, uh, examples of, uh, you know, non-Christians, non-Jewish people and, and how, you know, God and Jesus interacted with them. Mm -hmm. You know, with the, the book of Jonah is a great uh, uh, short little book. Man, if you haven't read Jonah, read Jonah, um, that, that talks about... Uh, the town of Nineveh. Gen uh, Jonah is sent to Nineveh to to tell them to uh, repent and to to change their ways. Uh, he doesn't want to do it, and he the re he doesn't want to do it uh, because he's afraid that that God will will spare them, <laughs> that God will not wipe them off the map. And and Jonah knows God to be a loving God, and you know he just might actually actually let them off the hook. And and <laughs> so Jonah drags his feet. Uh, does everything he can to 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 not uh, give them a chance uh, to repent, uh, but they hear the the word of God, they repent, and this is a city filled with pagans uh, that was not that godly. love their pagan tree. <laughs> That's right. That 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 uh, you know, and God tells Jonah, you know, I created these folks. Mm -hmm. Why should I not love them? Mm -hmm. Why should I not give them a chance to to uh, repent? Um, so the, the story goes, you know, they repented and it doesn't say what that means. Uh, it doesn't say that they turned from their idols or, or any of that. Um, but, uh, God spared them, mm -hmm. uh, a city filled with non-godly people, um, that were spared simply because of God's love, uh, against the wishes of Jonah, <laughs> um, so that's you know that's one story. Uh, the the story from Matthew twenty five, uh, if you if you know the story, um, uh, Jesus tells uh, it's a gathering of all the nations of the world. Mm -hmm. So um, all of the nations, whether they're Christian or Jewish or none of the above, <laughs> uh, are brought before the judge Jesus, mm -hmm. and he judges them. And some are 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 put on the right and some on the left, some are sheep and some are goats. Um, and the criteria that is used in that story for who will go, uh, you know, where who's on the right and who's on the left has nothing to do with believing in Jesus has nothing to do with, uh, you know, any of those kind of normal things that we, we like to throw around. It simply has to do with how have you treated the least of these? You know, have you, have you clothed the naked? Have you, Fed the hungry. Have you uh, visited those who are in prison? Have you have you welcomed the stranger? It's how you treat people, uh, especially those who are outcasts in our society. In that story, that is the measuring stick. Whether or not you have met Jesus, whether or not you have professed a, a faith in Jesus, mm -hmm. um, is the measuring stick that is used in that story about who will receive judgment or not. Who are the righteous? Who are the unrighteous? The definition in that story is all about how you treat people. 
how you love your neighbor. Um, so that story kind of lends its idea or, or, or its point to the fact that maybe maybe there's a path for non-Christians um, against, you know, kind of the verses that, that can be read um, to say otherwise. I... Uh... There's there's two things though that I I absolutely love. So so Dave's like, yeah, you should read Jonah. It's a short read. I'm like, not if you want to have a good day. <laughs> Jonah's I, like that book I read when I'm feeling like you know total ego and like it's like, and I'm like, man, like it's a great story. I love the end. You know, so Jonah's like the dumbest human being ever. He's like, man, God told me to go do this thing, so I'm gonna hide in a cave, in a dry land. In a place that he can control and see all the things. Nah, let me get on a body of water in a boat, idiot. Like, what are you doing? It's swallowed by a fish. It's like, God, please save me. Fish, bleh, like, spits him out near where he needs to go. And then he, like, whines. He's like, they don't deserve it. I'm like, you're just a fish, my guy. You probably still got, like, stuff all over you. Throws a complete fit, finally, begrudgingly. When we say, when you read this and, and it says that Jonah goes into the town and like prophesies to them and, and tells them to repent, it's like he's going in there going, fine, you should repent because it's going to go terribly for you. Can we go home now? Like he's whining and complaining. And does the bare minimum. And does the bare minimum. Like no love, no grace, no like desire for fellow created beings to like have what he like. This dude's literally talking to God. And then they get spared and Jonah throws a fit. Man. I mean, a full out temper tantrum. Yeah, I wish they had just <laughs> smoldered. I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, like I'm so mad, God. Mm. And then God makes a little shoot. Tree line. Yeah. Get, it gives him shade. It's like. Jonah, do you need a nap? You just snack, Jonah. Did you okay? And it's just, it's such an indictment. Very clear indictment on, especially this question, right? That we assume like, well, are all non-Christians going to hell? Like, don't be Jonah. Like literally, like the indictment is mm -hmm. like, if I'm going to sit here and relish in people getting what I think they should what get they, and what, what they, they what they deserve mm -hmm. is so anti God and anti Jesus and anti gospel. It's just the opposite, mm -hmm. and yet God is still patient with Jonah instead of just you know. Uh, so then we get to we get to sheep and goats, right? And uh, I just wanted to bring up this point. So this part in Matthew, as you read it, right, it's really nice for the sheep, <laughs> the people who are clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and taking care of the orphans and the widows and visiting the people in prison and like doing good things for people because they need help. It's not so good <laughs> for the people who could help and decide not to, um, which I feel like is a pretty consistent theme around even this question that we're talking about are all non-Christians going to hell and, you know, it's like, what about the people who pretend to know God and treat people like they don't? Jesus isn't even addressing the question of like, if you don't, if you're not a Christian, like you're, da, 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 da. Jesus is more like, hey, uh, you know, for you who are listening to me right now, like 
you know, you're really concerned about other people, but like, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you might want to like fix that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you smelly trash heap. Um, <laughs> it, it, which is to me, like, that's why this question's so hard is because I think there's this, you know, uh, we're going to move into Dante here in a sec, which I'm really excited about because Dave just wonderful job of like this guy. Um, but I think Jesus is kind of like answering this question of like, are all non-Christians going to hell? And he's like, well, no. And this is what you do about it. It's not, we're not going to like sit here and figure out who gets what and who deserves what and da, 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 da. It's like, let's go love and serve people and take care of their needs. Yeah. Um, something productive to do with our mm -hmm. time. Don't be a Jonah. So Dante. Yeah. Oh, Dante. Poor Dante. Why don't you talk about Dante, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well, so Dante is a poet uh, that lived in the 14th century, and he wrote, um, we'll, we'll call it a poem. The Understand, Divine Comedy. A Divine Comedy is, is the name of the poem. It's not funny. <laughs> um, and it's not a, it's an epic poem, so it's a, it's a we'd call it a book today. Um, but in the poem, he uh, imagines what hell is like. He imagines what purgatory is like. He imagines what heaven is like uh, in the three kind of phases of this book. Um, there's a tour. The, the poet Virgil is kind of guiding him through and showing him the... Um, the uh, uh, Circles. The, well, in hell then is um, uh, under the earth. It's nine concentric uh, circles, the rings, um, and then depending on how bad you are, the further you go into the rings and into the, into hell. And it's kind of interesting to see what Dante thought the worst sins were. Um, but that is, uh, uh, his picture of, of hell and his picture of purgatory then is climbing a mountain. Um, you know, as you in purgatory is a Catholic teaching, um, that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, lets you kind of work out your issues as you get ready for, for heaven. Mm -hmm. um, and then heaven in in uh, uh, Paradiso in in Dante's uh, poem is nine um, concentric spheres that surround the earth, and so one's a sphere of the sun and of the moon and of the, you know the stars. And the better you are, the further you 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 know the better you were in life, the further you kind of <laughs> progress in the levels of heaven there. <laughs> so that's anyway. Uh, it's it's a fiction. I mean, it's it was at the time it was written mm -hmm. to be uh, you know have a lot of kind of scriptural ties to it and mm -hmm. uh, be a kind of a work of faith. But it's ultimately it's it's a fiction work of fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, but our views, if you if you really think about how hell is depicted within our culture, it looks a lot more like. Um, Dante's Inferno, which is Dante's picture of hell, mm -hmm. uh, than anything that's in Scripture. Uh, so that's actually where a lot of our kind of ideas about hell come from, um, is is that that poem that was written in the 14th century. Mm -hmm. And so to to give a little grace to Dante, because I'm you know the resident like oh, man, come on, uh, I do not think there's no historical stuff I've ever read about Dante that gives me reason to presume that he's just a jerk or he's trying to cause all this harm or do all this damage. I think he's just this honest person who's just working through some stuff and decides to write this, you know, monologue that could have been an email um, and just, you know, keeps writing and writing and writing. And it, and it's this, he's just working through some stuff, right? And he, and he's articulating it and he's writing it out. 
and like a lot of things from that time period, because I, you know, I'm assuming some things here, but what I would argue is like the position of the church and its reach and, and the people that are all kind of connected to that. Um, a lot of art and philosophical debates and stuff that weren't necessarily based in a knowledge of scripture. Uh, <laughs> They were based on people's interpretations of things, kind of started circulating, and then we get all of this stuff way later that's, like, really heavily informed by those types of things. And I'm not trying to derail us too far from the question we're answering here, but, like, one of them, right, is a great example of, like, the, the painting of the Last Supper is with a bunch of people who don't look anything like what Jesus would have looked like or any of these other people that were there would have looked like. It's not even, like, structured in the way that, like, that dinner would have even happened, um, you know, there's women and children there too. There's all this other stuff. And so Dante's Divine Comedy is another representation of something that has heavily influenced uh, interpretations and in, in, in discussions and in, in, uh, a presentation of the concept of hell where it has no basis to be that. Mm-hmm. So when we go and we then investigate scriptures with the question of, you know, are all non-Christians going to hell? You know, Dante's got ideas and answers to that, but Scripture isn't that clear on, you know, uh, if you're a good person, then you're, you know, you're good. If you're bad, you're going to burn. What? Well, shale's like dirt (laughs) under the ground, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Jesus is a little bit more on, hey, don't be hate-filled towards people (laughs) because there's really bad consequences for that. Um, and then, you know, Jonah is a great picture of, oh, so maybe it's not about who deserves what. Because we want to do, well, if people are good people and they believe in God and they love God and then they're not going to go to hell. And like the Ninevites were mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. didn't do anything to quantify that or anything else. And so uh, it's not linear. It's this whole hodgepodge. Well, in the way this kind of the the normal kind of basic view um, that at least mainlines have have taught, um, and it lines up really well with with the story of the uh, sheep and the goats, um, is that Jesus is the judge, mm-hmm. and Jesus will judge in the same way he judged in his lifetime mm. with grace. Everything being filled with grace. So that leads you to believe or to think that even if we have lived in a place in the world where Jesus' name is never mentioned, um, that there's still people who live with the Spirit of God in their heart. They don't know what it's called, but they still know to treat people well. They Mm -hmm. still know to reach out to folks uh, who are hurting because that's the way God created us to be, um, that when when they die, they get to, to be judged just like we all will be, and that Jesus will judge them with grace, and that they'll have a chance to learn who Jesus is at that point, and will be able to decide for themselves, um, you know, do they want to live with God, this impression or, or that they've admittedly have just met, do they want to live with God in eternity, or do they do they not? Nobody will be forced um, to go that way. That's mm. why you know the quote from C.S. Lewis um, mm. is so is so nice. He says, "Hell is a 
uh, has a door that's locked on the inside. Um, so it's people are there by choice is what he's trying to say. Uh, and that those who, who choose that, God will give them that. Will give them a place where they can live outside of the presence of God. Um, but if they choose to be with God, that's God's desire. And there's a number of places in Scripture where we can find that God's desire is to save and to 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 be with all of His creation. Um, and so they'll have that opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's ultimately how kind of the the. The normal kind of way this is articulated uh, uh, in a huge part of the Protestant kind of tradition. Obviously, there are some some within that tradition that will see it in other ways, mm-hmm. uh, and they will be emphasizing other kind of other pieces of Scripture. But if you start with the thread of grace uh, and God's love, I think this is kind of where you tend to to end up. Right. I mean, I. My, my closing thought, right? You took my C.S. Lewis quote. Dave's like, I used it first. True. He did. <laughs> Sunday. Um, but I, it's I, in Adam's book. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, um, are all non-Christians going to hell? The answer here is um, they have a choice. And, you know, how and when they get to discuss with God um, kind of what they want in that choice and, and what they want that to look like. Um, you know, then they're invited into participation in that decision. Um, for me, the the where I would leave us and leave our conversation is, um, not to sound super callous, but like for me, if you want really good answers, you got to ask the right questions. And one of the reasons I love Dave that you picked twenty five, thirty one, and through forty six is, it's not that Jesus doesn't answer this question; he's just way more preoccupied with what we can do in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So let's be people of grace. Let's be people mm-hmm. of love. Let's be people who like really take care of people in a way that just makes the world go. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live in Gehenna. I want to live with them. Mm-hmm. I want to be with them. I want to be with this God they're talking about that is just so kind and merciful and gracious that it changes people. Let's not just get caught up on the concept of who gets what they deserve mm-hmm. and how do I make sure that happens because mm-hmm. it's just not. Well, it's not gospel. It's not gospel. Closing thought, Dave? Um, yeah, I would think this kind of uh, really sharpens the point on what the gospel is, you're right. If we understand the blessings of grace and the power of hope and the, the power of love, and we're motivated by those things, instead of being motivated by fear of hell, which is a poor motivator, I believe, um, then I think we're fully living into the gospel. I mean, that's, f- for me, the the life is kind of summed up in, in Jesus' teaching on uh, the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you know, you be the light on the hill. Don't put that light under a bushel basket. Don't hide it. But be on the hill where everyone can see the life that you're living and the light that comes from Christ living within you. Mm-hmm. Um, and living in that love attracts others to it. I mean, show others something that, um, that, that they might want, uh, that they might need to fill a hole in their life. And that, that love of Christ, that love, uh, that we 
feel and that we show to others can be, and I think by design is that light mm. uh, in the world. Um, you know, I don't, I, I never feel the the need to to use fear, and when it's being used on me, I can recognize it. I think, um, you know, and and understand then that it, you know, this is not of Christ. Um, if if fear is being used, mm-hmm. um, so the you know, love is a much better motivator and a much better example uh, to have in the world. So that's just where I end up on that. Amen. Uh, our emails will be in the description below. I'll put a link to Adam Hamilton's book, um, and we'd love to connect with you. We have we have a digital small group here that meets. If this is a concept or a topic you want to have further conversations, and if you'd like to visit us in person, link to the website will also be there with all those mm-hmm. uh, directions and such. But please, like you know, connect with us over this. This is love to have open conversation and dialogue and discussion. You know, we're all trying to learn and grow, um, but especially if this is something that has really resonated with you or it's resonated with people you love and care about. Um, or, you know, maybe you're like me, the Christian who kind of like was really motivated by telling people about hell a lot. And then, you know, kind of had this grieving process I went through. I was like, uh-oh, maybe that wasn't the best way to do it. And I needed support and encouragement from other Christians that were not going to be mad at me for doing that, but were going to like really love and support me with grace so that I could have a more grace-filled and love-filled attitude towards a God who also loves me. Um, you know, you need that kind of support and that kind of encouragement. I've stepped in that too. You know, reach out to me, reach out to Dave. We'd love to walk that Absolutely. out with you. So Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we'll catch you next week. All right.